This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. The church saying, Amen. Go, if you will, to John chapter 15 and rest there for a moment. And we want <clears throat> to begin. I, I want to kind of lay some things out that we have been teaching all year long, all of the ministers, myself. We have been teaching and teaching and teaching. And we should be at a point now in our preparation that we are, should know how to approach God in all of our teachings. We should know how to approach God. We should know by now how to draw near to God. We should know that. With all the teachings that you've got under your belt, you should know how to draw near to God. We have been given passage to God through teachings that leads us straight to Him. Every passage that we're teaching, it leads us straight to Him. We should know how to enter into a working relationship with God. We should know how to enter into a working relationship with God and how to make use of that relationship as well. See, not only to be in a working relationship and not only being able to access Him, but we should, we, we should know by now how to make use of that relationship. You know, we don't want a relationship with God that's dormant just to say I'm a Christian or I'm a believer. We want to know how to utilize that relationship so that it benefits God and it benefits us. Amen? The first thing that we should know and believe is what we have learned, and that is that God is. God is. Not was, not going to be. He is. And what is He? He is our Father. That's the first thing you should know. He is, God is, and He is my Father. And we need to know how to have a working relationship with Him. How do I access my Father? How do I get to that place? God is also our source. And we should know how to have a working relationship to get into and access the source of God. God is also our provider. And we should know how to have a working relationship and know how to access His provisions for us. We're going to find out what his provision is. Now let's read in John chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. It says, I am the true vine. I know, I know you said, oh, I know that scripture. I know, but follow me anyhow. You know, I know you know more than God and you know more than me, but let's just read it anyway. Amen. John 15, verse 1. Jesus speaking says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, 
As the branch on a tree cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Jesus is letting them know that he is the vine. He is letting us know that he is the way that we connect to the Father. He is the way that we have a working relationship with the Father. He is the way that we have access to the Father. And he's letting us know that every branch that bears fruit, he purges it. But then he says every branch that bears not fruit, he takes away. And let me put that in a more simple term. What God is saying, he said, every branch that beareth fruit, I'll be pruning. But every branch that beareth not fruit, I will prune you. There's a difference in pruning and being pruned. Are you with me? And what we want is for God to prune be pruning us, we don't want him to prune us. That is, we want God to remove those things from us that are damaging, things that are in us that doesn't cause, that cause, that don't cause us to produce fruit. But we, what we don't want is for God to prune us. And that is removing us. We don't want that. Removing us from what? Removing us from having a working relationship with Him. Removing us from having an access to Him. Because why? Because you're living an unfruitful life. Now, I didn't say that. He said He'll take you away. When you have an unfruitful life. Look at your neighbor and say, God will either prune you, Look at your neighbor and say, God will either prune you or prune you. Now, you want the first one. You want pruning. You don't want to be pruned. Did you hear me? God, I want you pruning me, purging me all the time. I don't want you to prune me and take me away because I'm unfruitful. Let me tell you what is not fruitful. So, because some people have a way of thinking, if they come to a church building, if they stream, they're fruitful. That's not evidence of fruit. Righteousness is. Obeying His will is. Commitment is. But see, believers, we're so far away from that, we think if we just stream, Oh, if we think if we tithe, if we give, we're fruitful. But that doesn't make you fruitful either. I'm telling you, if righteousness doesn't exist, commitment doesn't exist, I mean a a strong will and love to do the will of God, to be what he's called you to be, you're being unfruitful. 
Are you following me? And look at the first part of verse 2. It says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. What is God saying? He's saying anybody that is not living a fruitful or productive life, he said, I then put them in a position where they are not close to me. Didn't say he put you out of the kingdom. He said, I'd have to move, because see, you're not being fruitful. I have to move you, take you away where you're not really close to me. I know. I get it. God has said, I have to move them to a place where they can't benefit from the relationship that they have with me. This is God speaking. I have moved them into a place where, and he has to, he said, I have to move you into a place where you're not close to me because I can't risk you damaging the vine. Talk to him about being unfruitful in the body of Christ. I can't, he can't afford to have you damaging the vine. Because there's many on the vine. That's why we must be fruitful. He said, every branch in me that bears not fruit is not close to me. I have to put them in a position where they are not close to me. That's taking them away. And you know, if you've been saved for a while, and if you, you know... There may have been a moment in your life or a season in your life where you were not, listen, really in the will of God. You knew you were going to heaven, but things was going on in your life or situation, and you knew you just really wasn't where you're supposed to be with God. Now, you believe that Jesus is Lord, but you were just not where you were supposed to be. We've all been there or where we needed to be. And you could feel, this is the thing, you could feel the pruning. Every time you come to church or every time you hear word, you, that was him pruning. And you could feel the pruning of God. You knew that you were not really close to him. But you pressed on anyway, like unfruitful, but you was like, what? why do I feel so uncomfortable? You even really knew and understood that you didn't have the benefits of being in a relationship with God. You was almost scared to pray because you were like, no, he's not going to answer me. And if I do, he's not going to answer me. Because I know what I'm doing and I know I'm not close to him. And I know that I'm not being fruitful. So I love God, but I'm just out of place. You knew that God had kind of moved you in a position where he was not going to let you, let you mess up his work. I love to see God do that. And people, people in the body of Christ doesn't understand that. See, people in the body of Christ, they think any, anything people do and anything they say, just forgive them and get back on the road. But sometimes you can do such a damage that God said, that's, you're, you're still in the body of Christ, but I have to move you from messing up my work. 
God's work is bigger than us, people. He's bigger than our little emotions and our little, our, our fleshly things that we love. Like, like the minister was saying, all these bodily things that just, we think we need. And he'll move you away. And listen, you don't ever want to be in that position where God is saying, look, look, you know, he's dealt with you about every message and you're still there. And then all of a sudden God said, look, now I can't have you close to me. You're my child. You know, you know what? Just look at your own natural life with your children. You do the same thing. When they do something, you make sure they move. You Now, you can't be close to me right now. you all out of fellowship. Don't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean that they're not still in the family. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means i got to move you away. Because you're causing damage. I can't have you close to me. And all God did is just move you off to the side. Because God is saying, if I leave you where you are, you're going to mess up the body. You're going to mess things up. Why? Because simply because I have an unfruitful life. It's not because you're perfect. None of us is perfect. But it's just simply you don't have a fruitful life. That's the thing. You don't have a fruitful life. And here at Church of the Living Water, we always, always want to teach sound doctrine. We got that from our founding pastor. He, he believed in and he stayed with sound doctrine. That is the basis of our foundation here at this church that our founding pastor left us with is the, is the sound doctrine. He didn't like us wondering with all kind of foolishness, sound doctrine. The Bible said, and, and, and the reason that was, and I remember he used to always say, Al, the world is changing. You need to be prepared. The world is changing. And, and the reason you need the sound doctrine and you need it in place, because the Bible even tells us, the Bible even warns us that there's going to come a time that people won't stand for it. So you better know it. They, you won't, they won't stand for sound art. They will heap on themselves teachers with itching ears. That flesh, that body in control after their own lust. And we understand and we, you, you know, we're, we're not by any means um, naive I'm talking about Church of Living Water as a whole and the leaders in this church. We understand how psychology, humanism, mysticism, conspiracy, you know, all that, that conspiracy theory stuff has crept into the church. And it'll try to creep in here, but it won't work here because we're on a sure, sure foundation. And it has worked its way into the whole body of Christ. So we, so if we know that, then we need to make sure that we know Him. Because many things are being introduced and that are in the body of Christ and in the church. And if you don't know Him, you're going to be tossed to and fro. I see it. Because one thing about it is God has an intimate, intimate relationship with you. 
He knows you. But the question is, do you have an intimate one with him and know him? Not just, not, not, not just because, uh, you know, Jesus, I just, you know, just generically. But on a personal level. So we have to have an intimate knowledge of who he is. And now is as good a time as any to ask yourself, do I really have a working relationship with God? And do I really have access to him? Now, the new year is fastly approaching. We have, what, about three and a half months to the new year. And we don't want to go into another year without knowing for sure if I have a working relationship with God. And, and, and knowing for sure that I have access to Him so I know that what I can look forward to because I, I have to know for sure. I don't want to guess anymore. I guess I'm right with God. I, I hope I'm right with God. Well, if you got a hope like that, you're not. So we need to make sure. And young people, you better make sure that you have a working relationship with God and that you have access to Him. Because just saying that you're a Christian and just saying you're a believer is not being fruitful. It's more to it than that. I want us to settle in our hearts that we're near to God, that I'm close to Him. I want to make sure that you enter into this relationship with Him, not only that He knows you, but now I have begun to know Him, to really know Him. Not just saying, oh, you know, just a few things that I know about God or or what the pastor said, but I know Him for myself. Very important in this time, in this period of time, that you understand and know that. We, you, I mean, you, you have to come to it with an assurance, I mean a confidence. I want to make sure that each and every one of us receive the benefits of that relationship. Because any relationship, whether natural or spiritual, without benefits is not really a relationship at all. There must be benefits in the relationship. We must know right now, right now, that I abide in Him. And He abides in me. See, I've got to know that right now. I need to know that I'm living and continuing and remaining in Him. And he's living and continuing and remaining in me. Right now, I need to know that. So this morning, we're going to look at, we're going to search it out. And so we're going to look at how do I know when I have a working relationship with my father? How do I know? Now go with me, if you will, to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And as you go there, I want to state that 1 John was written by the same person that wrote John. So the book of John, the 15th chapter, John begins to recount 
what Jesus said about what he meant to how he meant for you to have uh, access to God or a working relationship with God. But here in 1 John, he is teaching them how to know whether you have a working relationship with God and whether you really do have access to him. In the book of John, Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will. He was, he was recording that when he was writing that, Je- that that Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He, Jesus said, you have to abide in me. And you have to let me abide in you. Abide simply means live. It's not a rotating door. I'm in and out of God. I'm back. You know, people used to think that was funny when they would get outside of God and then they'd come back and say, I'm back. But it was never funny to God. Because there's no rotating door. Abide means to live in. Now, here in the book of John, he's now challenging the listener to find out whether or not they have a working relationship with God. In other words, that is what Jesus taught. Now, here it is. Here it is what he taught. And I'll tell you whether, and it's going to tell you whether you are living what he taught or not. And you can examine yourself. You know, it's always good after you've been taught, like over the whole year, like we have, a year and a half we've been taught, to stop and just take some introspection before we go forward in being prepared. I need to wait, just stop, because, you know, we can get so many things going on and so many things said and so much information that we can get so much that we get off course with God. And so we have to stop, slow down, and start taking some introspection. And basically, God needs to go back over some things that He said before to see if you pass the test. And if not, he brought me here today to give you all the answers, and then you can take the test again. And when you take the test again, you can pass it, because why? That means you got all the answers twice. And the only reason why you have failed the test is that you don't want to correct something. And teachers know about this when they give tests and they give another one, they give a, they pass it back out and then they tell them, you know, do all the answers and then they give them a test again because they like, now we, I'm trying to help you pass it and learn something. That's all God is here today. He's not here to put you down. He's here to say, I'm telling you that some of you have been failing. So I want to give you the same test that I've given you before and I want you to correct some things. So that you can pass. So you don't have to worry about whether or not you passed or not. Because if he's teaching it again, somewhere you failed. Or somewhere you got something wrong on it. The thing about it with God's test is you don't want anything wrong. You don't, it don't have to be wrong. Because he's giving you everything, everything right there. You don't have to miss it. The only reason why we miss it is the flesh. That body. 
that that's the only reason why we miss it. Amen. And so again, in the book of John, he's now challenging the listener to find out whether you are what you said. Actually, you can look at uh, at one, two, and three of John's, First uh, John one, First John two, First John three, and uh, John as the sermons is really based on all of the teachings that Jesus, that John heard. All first, second, and third John is based on all the teachings that John heard Jesus Christ preach. Go back and read them. He 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 got them directly from Jesus Christ. And actually, when I read. First John 3, it just banged out in my heart that this is what God is looking for from all of us. From all of us that say that we love Him. From all of us that say that He's our Father. From all of us that say, I know I have a working relationship with Him. For all of us that say, I know how to access God. So we began here in chapter 3. Verse 1, it reads, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because he knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man, the operative operative verse, and every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. And I just like that right there. Everybody, let's just read verse 3 together. On three. One, two, three. And every man that hath this hope in him purified himself, even as he is pure. And then he goes on to say, Whosoever committed sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that we was, and you know that he was manifested to take, listen, this is very good key. Please, please mark this in your Bible. And we know, and if you don't, now you know this morning. And we know that he was manifested. Who? Jesus. Why was he manifested? To take away our sins. And in him is no sin. So we just found out that Jesus' main reason for coming was simply to take away our sins. Verse 6, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committed sin, now everybody from Church of the Living Water. Now if you want to do it, those that are streaming, you can do it. Over that word committed, put practice. Because it's, it's the same way. And because that, that, that's what that means there. He that committed sin or practiced sin is of the devil. 
for the devil sin it from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God does not practice sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifested. This is how you're going to see the children of God. And the, you're going to see, know the difference between the children of God and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. My intentions in this series of teachings is for us to just do some introspection. We must. When I started to read in 1 John 3, and I've often read, but every time I do read, it didn't cause me to think about anyone but myself. It causes me to do some introspections of myself. And, and introspection is just a big word to say, just doing some self-examination of myself. Again, I told you in time past, and I tell you now, you can pass this test. My purpose of this teaching is to make sure we know that we have a working relationship with God. This is the purpose. And that we can access Him whenever we want to because we have a working relationship with God. Simply put, I want you to know for yourself whether or not God is pruning you or whether He has pruned you. Somebody ought to tell me they really want to know that. You ought to want to know that. You don't want to sit down. Listen, you don't want to sit down with me and figure it out. You don't want to have to talk to your neighbor to figure it out. You don't even want to talk to your you don't have even want to talk to your spouse to figure it out. You need to know for yourself. It's an individual thing. And we want to know not based on feelings. But you want to know based on his word. And my actions to his word. That's what I ba- I want to base it on. See, because sometimes you can feel very close to God, and you're not. Sometimes you can feel very far away from God, and you may not be. And then sometimes, you know, uh, you know, you want to say, I don't know, I think I feel close to God, but I don't really know. And because you don't really know, it's this simple reason. You simply may not be in His will. And so I don't know. Because if you're in His will, you know. Are you with me? So we want to look at God's Word. And what it says. And what it speaks to us. And then we want to make our case. Against ourselves. Introspection. My goal in this teaching is, and every teaching, is that we are in the will of God. And I want to make a simple statement. It's profound to me. It may not be to you, but it's a simple statement. 
And it is God has a will for man. And we can know it. And we can be in it. I'll say it again. God has a will for man. And we can know it. And we can be in it. No, God doesn't work in mysterious ways. It is not a mystery. And no, God doesn't have different wills for everyone. You know, you hear people say, you know, God's will for me may not be God's will for you. Listen, God has a will. Everybody know that. A will. To say that God has a will your your will, God's will for you is different from my will, which suggests that we all have our own Bibles. Because we have different wills. So now that, that kills that. Because if it's different ones, we need different wills for everybody. Different Bibles. This is His will. This is His will. And it is for all of us. Black, white, brown, purple, green, whoever. This is for all of us. Why? Because we are His children. And because He's no respecter of persons. So it's one. He didn't put things in His will that are for me and not for you. Because if so, then he had now become a respecter person. He didn't put things in his will that was for you, but not for me. He would be a respecter person. Do you follow me? There's no greater thing that he has for me that he don't have for you. Again, if he does, that would be a respecter person. There's no greater requirements on me than you. Again, if he did, that would be a respect for him. Listen, there is no pastor will and congregation will. Oh, because people love to use that. You know, God expects me to do this. You know, God expected, you know, when you're a pastor, I wouldn't expect that of you. No, it's just one will. It's just one will. Because, see, in order for me to be a pastor, guess what? I have to be a Christian just like anybody else. There's, there, there's no different will. In order to be a pastor, guess what? I have to be a child of God just like you. So what I have to be, you have to be. And what you have to be, I have to be. Point blank. So don't, don't, don't go trying to put a pastor somewhere where he don't belong. Because everything that God, one will. One will. And it's his will. And please don't be deceived. People say, well, who can really know God's will? We can. He wrote it. You know, people like to be religious with that. Well, you know, who can really know? He, we can. He wrote it down for us. 
And if that wasn't give, give, good enough, he gave us a lawyer, the Holy Spirit, that checks us with the will. He reads it to us. So when we say, ah, this, that, and the Holy Spirit says, no, no, that's not in the will. Or he'll say, oh yeah, that is in the will. Executor over the will. Living on the inside of us. And in case you forget or act like you forgot, the lawyer always come through to tell you nope or yes. Nope, that's not him. That's not in the will. Oh, yep, that is in the will. So God has a will for man. And we can know it. But this is the exciting part. We can be in it. In the will. That's the exciting part. We can be in the will. Now, I don't want any one of us to be out of the will. Oh, we make such foolish choices. And I, it, it cringes me when I see people make just foolish choices that doesn't even make any sense. And you'd be like, oh my God, they just, they just, they're, they're trying their best to get out of the will. So I want to encourage, give you an encouraging message. Because I'm just trying to keep you in the will. Because that's the best part. Because guess what? If you're in the will, you're going to get the benefits. It's when you get out of the will, you don't get the benefits. And if you're born again and you are going to heaven and you know you're going to heaven, but you're unfruitful, you're still not getting the benefit because he's moved you away from him. All kind of wrong choices. And it's a lot of people this Sunday morning there being read the will and they're not even in it. They don't even know if they're in it. They're saying, you know, they're praying and saying, Lord, how come you won't bless me? How come you won't do this? And how come you won't do that? And, and you know, and he's saying, you're not in the will. See, it's teachings like this that are showing. See, everybody thinks that they're just automatically in the will because, you know, I've, I've confessed the Lord Jesus Christ and believed in my heart. And you live in any kind of way. There are stipulations in the will. And those of you that have natural will, there ought to be stipulations in your will. Our children are going to run through everything. Put, and once you put the stipulations there, it's there. Well, that's why he put the Holy Spirit in there. So you wouldn't misunderstand the will. Because he got stipulations in that will. God, let me tell you, God is far smarter than us. You think he just give us the will and give us everything, all the benefits while we act in a fool? It don't work that way. We don't even do that. Well, some of us do, but, but you're foolish if you do. But while God doesn't do that. God said, oh no, now... If you abide in me, and I abide in you, you can ask what you will. Now, that's the stipulation. It's in the will, but now if you're not abiding in me, you won't change that when it says, and I'm not abiding in you, you can't ask a thing. Null and void that. 
And the Holy Spirit keeps telling you where you are. And sometimes, you know, you, because see, sometimes you think you're where you're supposed to be with God. But if you've been asking, asking, and asking, and nothing is happening, check and see if you're in the will. You gotta be in God's will. My objective is that all of us should know when we, and without a shadow of, of a doubt, when we are in a working relationship with God and we do have access to Him. I want to give you clarity and clear information that lets us know I have a relationship with God. I have access to Him. So how do I have know when I'm in a working relationship with God. Number one is that I purify myself. That's the first thing you have to do. Purify yourself. Notice, let, let me say it again so you can hear it. How do I know when I'm in a re- working relationship with God and I truly have access to Him? I, number one, I purify myself. I purify myself. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say God purifies you. You purify yourself. Because we just read that the Bible says every man that have this hope in him purifies who? Himself. Even as he is pure. So if I have this hope, then I purify my own self when I'm in a relationship with God and I know Him. When I desire to receive the benefits of that relationship with Him. When I'm abiding in Him and His Word is abiding in me. See, not only, it has to go both ways. The first thing that I should do and the first thing that I should look look at about myself is, have I purified myself? Mm. Why? Because I need to have a working relationship with Him. I need to have access to everything that's, uh, everything that has, anything and everything that has to do with God. Why? Because I have a hope. If you have that hope, you purify yourself. And what is hope? We know what hope is. That, you know, the, you know, you have that hope that you're a child of God. Everybody that have this hope that they are a child of God, they purify themselves. Now, we, we've had the definition in this ministry. We said hope is the confidence in the outcome. The confidence in the outcome. It is what I fully expect to receive. See, when I know that I'm loved of my Father, I'm not talking about that generic expression, oh, God loves me, uh, but when I know that God loves me. No, when I have a hope that I know down on the inside that God loves me, I'm talking the confidence down on the inside, then I purify myself. Why? Because He loves me. See, it's one thing for people to tell you that God loves you, but it's a whole other thing when you know God loves you for yourself. Then you have a confidence that God loves me. So why? I pure, so then what do I do? I purify myself because He loves me. 
And you know, there's a lot of people in the body of Christ. You know, they believe that God knows them, but they don't believe that God loves them. In the body of Christ, probably some in this ministry, I'm going to tell you what, what you're confused with. You're confused with what happened in your life. With how God feels about your life. Oh, well, I don't know. See, I don't know if he still loved me like he used to. Because I did this, I did that. They confuse what they have done with how God feels. You got God mixed up with you. They, they're confused at what, what other people have done. So they don't think God can love them. They're, how, you know, how does God feel about me? Now that this happened. They're confused at, you know, uh, uh, what they call bad breaks that they've had or missed opportunities that they had or mistakes that they made. And they confuse those things with what God feels about them. So they know Him, but they're not really sure if God loves them because I've done some things. So I don't know if He really... Yeah, but I mean, how could anybody love you after that? You know, you again... You are confusing God with you and people. God is the creator of the universe. God is love. So they don't know and they don't have the confidence that God loves them. But when you have a hope that God loves you, it causes you to purify yourself. That's one of the reasons why it's hard for people to purify themselves. Because they don't have the hope that God really loved me. No, it's no way God can love somebody like that. God can love. You couldn't. Or you won't. But that's not God at all. I remember a long time ago that I used to underestimate the value of going to heaven. But as I grew into things of God, I began to think on what it, what it would be like to see him and Stand before him. And after I've read the scriptures and begin to study the word, and it tells me all the things that I have coming to me, all of those things made me want to purify myself. Because why? I, I know he loves me. Hmm. You know, and, and, and one of the things, too, is when I read about that, I'm going to have to give an account. See, that makes you want to purify yourself. Because you don't know the day or the hour when you're leaving. So I need to make sure that my account is right. So I purify myself. I see Again, I'm talking about knowing that you're in a working relationship with him. That's why you can see somebody, and I've seen it over the years. Thirty-something years in ministry. And I've seen it over the years. And this, let, let me tell you, so when you see this, you'll know why. That's why you see people... They come to church when we was having church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, streaming, doing everything, and every and it doesn't seem like the issues of their life ever change. And you think to yourself, and you know, and and ministers and preachers and pastors, they be like, "How am I getting through to them?" Something should have changed by now. And you look and there's no change. Now, that might give you, let you 
understand this one thing. They may not be in a working relationship with God. I don't care. They come every Sunday. They come every Sunday. Every Wednesday. In ministries of helps. Do all kinds of things. But all of, but in their life, nothing changes. They may not have access to God. See, we think everybody to just come in here automatically have access to God. You better get that out of your head. And if you're out there and you're wondering why things haven't changed, that's why you're doing introspection. And we can go to our own life. All of us, if we're honest, have had moments and times, listen, in ministry, where over the years that you were hearing and not growing. Not that the Word was bad. The Word was on point. But you weren't growing. Where you were writing, taking all kinds of notes, but not changing. Where you were listening, but you were never allowing the Word to affect you. And a lot of young people, they do that, that parent-pleasing relationship. That's what they did. They never really allowed the Word to affect them. Older people alike. Not down on the inside. They were hearing it, but it didn't affect them. And listen, there is somewhere that was a disconnect in your relationship with God. Either you were not abiding in Him... Or his word was not abiding in you. That's where the disconnect was. Even though you were coming to church. And all of us at one time or another, you'd be like, oh, you know. Let me tell you, when you get out and off into a bunch of foolishness and bondage, you got, you, you're disconnected. I don't care how much you come and sit in a chair. You're not near him. You're not working on a relationship with him. When you're in bondage, you're not. Coming in here just that 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 makes you feel good. Are you trying to show somebody you're doing something? But it's not affecting you. Because it will be it'll show up in your walk. But when you have that hope that you are a child of God and that He loves me and that I'm gonna see Him and I'm gonna be like Him, like we just read. A light bulb, a green light bulb goes off on the inside and say, yes, i got to purify myself. i got to be righteous. Now, there's three aspects of purification. And we're going to take them one at a time. Any time that you purify, there are three things that take place. Number one, abstinence. Number two, there should be a washing. And number three, there should be a sacrifice. Now you can see that in the New Testament. It even talks about that in, uh, in the terms of uh, husband and a wife, that there may be times that they may abstain, abstinence, for the point of purification. That's what fasting is. 
basically abstaining from food for the purpose of purification. That's what fasting is. Listen, fasting is not a diet. Fasting is saying, I'm going to go without fasting for the set purpose of purification. That's why you can, you can fast more than just food, whatever it is. But I'm, I want to stop that for a little while. It seems like it's hindering me from where God is taking me. So I need to stop that for a while and seek God. So it's not only food. So there has to be an abstinence. There has to be a washing. And there has to be a sacrifice. Beginning with abstinence. I don't have to give you the Greek, the Hebrew, the, the anything about that. Because in every language, abstinence means the same thing. It simply means stop. Period. In every language, abstinence means stop. The proof that I have a working relationship with God and I have access in and out to God is that I stop doing some things. Listen, I don't talk about it. I don't theorize about it. I don't say, well, I'm working on it. I don't say one day I hope to. The proof that I have a relationship with God is I just stop. Abstinence. And I'm not going to sit up here and put anything you have to stop because you know what you need to stop. Because if I stand up here and start giving different things you need to stop, I might miss yours and you think you got away. But you yourself know what God is saying. You need to stop. Just stop. I'm not going down a laundry list of that. But if the Holy Spirit lives in you, and the Bible is sitting on you right now. You know what I'm talking about. There are some things in all of our lives, every one of us, that God has required us to stop. And the proof that I have a working relationship with Him is I have to stop what He told me to stop. Oh, let me think. Oh, no, now, now, see, now, first of all, you need to stop the lying. Because you ain't got to think that hard. God has already told you things you need to stop. Everybody always think it's different for them. God has already told you things in your life that need to stop. Now, it can be sinful things, and it may not be sinful things. It's something that God has said, but I need you to stop. You'd be like, well, I, he can't be talking about that because that's not sin. Did, did I say that he telling you to stop sinning? Now, some of it, for the most part, it probably is. But it's not necessarily that. Sometimes it's something else that God just said, no, I'm, I'm not going to need you to do that. I'm going to need you to stop that. It has nothing to do with sin. It's just God is saying, where I'm taking you, I don't need that there. I need you to stop. So don't just look for sin. It might be just something else. Are you with me? And whatever it is that God is telling you to stop, guess what? All those things don't glorify Him. So I have to stop them. 
I have to stop going above my limits. See, we do that too. We go, no, let's get it. We go out of bounds. God said, I want you here. And you go way over here. God's like, you all out of bounds. I gave you where you go. God said, I want you to go here and no further. You're over to the door. Out of bounds. Just doing what you want. And God said, stop. You have to learn how to stop. Are you going to continue to go out of bounds? When God tells you your limit, that God will say, you can talk to your husband now. And, and, and I'm really saying this for women because women got it bad. God said, you can talk to your husband and you talk. Then all of a sudden God said, now I need you to be quiet. But you keep going. Go just, until you just all out of bounds. When God said, say nothing else, say nothing else. You don't have to have the last word. If you have to have the last word, you're out of bounds. But let me, uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, you just stepped out of bounds. God said, didn't I tell you to stop right there? And let me tell you, this is not stopping right, this is out of bounds too. You stop where God told you, but you're like, you're talking to your your spouse, you're like, okay, okay. You're out of bounds. You're out of bounds. When he says stop, he means cut it off. Right there. And when you want to be silent and God said, now you need to talk. And you be like, I ain't saying nothing to them today. I'm just done. I'm just done. All out of bounds. I'm helping you pass the test. This is things we've taught before. And you should, and, and I'm, I'm giving you the answer. So that you can correct it. So now you can pass it. Because we got three and a half months before a new year. Don't take it over. Know what you know before you go into the new year. (sighs) So the proof that you have a relationship with God, we have to stop. And And when I say stop, we have to resist and neither give place. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing about stopping. Here's the thing about stopping. Stopping requires work. See, that's the thing. When we don't want to work on this thing, because I want to do my own thing. No, stopping requires work. It, and yes, I'm going to say the word, it ain't easy to stop. <laughs> you know why it ain't easy to stop? Because you started. Because you start, that's why it's not easy to stop. Because if it was easy to stop, you wouldn't have never got started. Ooh, somebody ought to write that down. If it was easy to stop, you wouldn't have never got started. Why? Because you know you shouldn't have gotten started. You you know you shouldn't have even started it. Why did you even start it? And that's hard to stop. Now that you've started it, you have found that it is hard to stop. Why is it hard to, to stop now? Because you got the thing started. Get it. Get this. You got the thing started. So stopping requires some resistance 
on my part because I have to let something get going that was never supposed to be set in motion. It was never supposed to. If you would have stayed in bounds, stopped when God said stop, go when he said go, instead of doing your own thing, you would not be at that place right now. Now it's going to take effort to rein that thing in. It takes work. Notice it says everyone that have this hope purifies himself. You have to purify yourself. So that means, listen, that means God is not going to stop you. You have to stop you. God stop me. No, God said, I don't, God said, excuse me. Acting like God is Alexa. Alexa, stop. The, no, uh, God, stop. God said, no, no, no. You stop yourself. Because I told you your limits. I told you your boundaries. You got over it. So now stop yourself. And it ain't easy. And guess what? The body won't help you. That body ain't never going to help you do the real of God. That body going to say, act a fool as hard as you can. I mean, walk off. I mean, just walk off hard. Just walk off hard. Just, just do, just act a fool as much and hard as you can. Don't look for your body to help. It's going to make it even harder to start. Are you with me? You have to stop yourself. Listen. This is what you have to understand. God told me to stop. But it's my will. So I have to stop. God has done his part. His part is to tell you you need to stop. That was his part. I don't need to think how God, how God works. Listen. All of us in here have been children and we all had a mama and a daddy. I ain't no mother. No, a mama and a daddy. And guess what? When they told you to stop, you knew what that meant. And if you didn't stop, you knew what was coming afterwards. Why do you think it's different with God? They got that from God. You, you know how that works. They said, don't do it. You did it. I, let me tell you, you was ducking and dodging. You didn't know if a shoe was flying across the room or your back was getting uh, power. Whatever it was, you knew something was coming if you didn't stop when they said stop. Because you know why? Because it was never your parents. Uh, it wasn't there. They, they weren't trying to enforce your will. They was enforcing their will. They were never trying to enforce your will. It was their job to always tell you their will. And it was your job to obey it. Bring your life in line with that will. Same it is to God. God said my job is to tell you your, my will. And it is your job to line your body up. Line that body. Line your soul. Line it all up with his will. And again, stopping ain't easy. And your body won't help. And I'm not here this morning to do something that's easy. 
I'm not here to tell you to do something that's easy. I'm telling you to do something that's necessary. There's a difference. I'm not here. I don't want any of the ministers to ever try to tell you something that's easy. I want them telling you things that are necessary. If you want to be close to him, I'm telling you something that is necessary if you want the benefits of a relationship, a working relationship with him. I'm telling you something that's necessary. I'm telling you something necessary if you want your prayers to be heard by him. I'm telling you something that is necessary if you want to be connected to him. You got to stop. And it's not easy. But you got to start it. It's not like, oh, that was put on me now. I got to stop. No, no, no. You got it started. So you got to stop it. Everybody say stop. Listen, and you have to stop making excuses for not stopping. Oh, we big at that. There's some things you need to just stop. You got to stop making excuses that my mama was nasty, my grandmother was nasty, my great-grandmother was nasty, my uncle was nasty, everybody was nasty. But that's not you. You don't have to be nasty because everybody in your family is nasty. You got to stop, resist, and don't give place. You got to stop, resist, and don't give place. You got to stop, resist, because there's going to be a resistance that comes. And don't give place. Because here's the thing. If you can still do what you tried to stop, you didn't put much effort in stopping if you could still do what you were trying to stop, you didn't put much effort in trying. You didn't, you, you didn't try. You didn't put much effort in stopping. You just said it. I'll say it again so you can hear it. If you can still do what you tried to stop, you didn't put much effort in stopping. Let me just give you examples. See, I like to give examples for myself because, you know, and, and people like to, for the pastors to give examples of themselves too because they, they, I don't know, they want to make sure that you're human or something. Well, let me just give you an example so you won't feel so bad. You'll be like, oh, well, I feel good now. You know, she's struggling. You know, she's doing this. Well, okay, I'm going to give you an example. Amen. Pastor said, I desire to lose a few. Pounds. But I have never removed not one dessert from my house. There's M&M's on the deal. I got to move the croissants to get to the muffins. See, you can say what you want to do, but you and you, you have to actually do it. And if and guess what? And if I remove everything because I said I wanted to do that, let me tell you, it's going to be a struggle for me to ride by a convenience store without slipping to in. Because stopping ain't easy. It's easy to say. 
I hear my children in the morning, because all of them, they, you know, they regiment down. They get up at 2 and 3 in the morning, and you hear them pumping. I could hear them, and I said, I'm getting up and do that. I'm getting up and do it. Now, I used to. Me and Isaiah used to walk. Me and I, well, used to walk five and six miles together and stuff. He used to leave me and wait on the deal, and we put weights on him. I was doing all of that and everything, and I was like, well, you know, I got to sit down somewhere. You know, they're young. I'm, my tail is, I'm, I'm in my 60s. I need to chill. And, but I hear them in there, and they, I can hear them coming down because I'm a light sleeper, so I could hear them there, and I hear them in there, and they got whatever they're going in. And then because they have sessions going in because Isaiah goes in, and then, and then he was working me out, me and him would go in, and, then I, and, that, and I stop. But I hear them. But they're regiment. That's what they do. But I'm the one who said, they ain't telling me they want to lose nothing. They're just doing what they do. But if I said I want to lose... It's not until I get up and do it. You gotta stop talking. Get up. I don't have any excuse. I'm telling you, I have an actual gym in my garage. And I ain't talking about a gym with one or two things. We got every piece of equipment in there. Every piece. To do everything from abs to whatever. That, I mean, we got the, the slave, just everything. And I'm laying in the bed, saying, I'm, I need to leave, lose a few. See, we talk a good talk. they like, thank God. I knew she wasn't here. I could have told you that a long time ago. But see, I, I, see I'm not ashamed to say those things because I want to encourage you. That, see, you just can't talk it. Therefore, I haven't lost not a pound. Until I actually get up and do, and even and my son tried to encourage me, Mom, come on, you know, just get a little something in, just do this. Come on, Mom, you just just do that. I say, well, I'll be there in a minute. Just go, just y'all just going on. But they became disciplined to it, and so in other words, they purified themselves for that. You get results from that. And see, two and three and four in the morning doing that, that's unseen work. Nobody sees that. That was just a little side thought. Let's look at washing. Washing, because washing is one of the things you have to do for proof that you have a working relationship with God. It's washing those things out of my heart and in my mind that don't glorify God. The Bible says, bring every thought into captivity and make it obey the will of God. The Bible tells me to guard my heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of my life. So in other words, the washing of my mind and the cleaning of my heart is nobody's responsibility but mine. And how do I do it? I do it with the Word of God. But I have to take the Word of God, and I need to allow it to renew my mind and to clean out my heart. I have to take the Word of God and allow it to wash it. See, it's easy to say, but you have to allow it to wash you. You know, the things that's in there, stop playing around. Let the Word wash you. Because there are some things that if you don't allow God to wash you, it's going to separate you and have separated you from the Father. And as we 
each inch closer and closer to the ending of this year. I don't want you to go into this new year with some things that have not been washed. Not good for you. To have heard all these messages for over a year and a half and you don't have a working relationship with God because of some things simply that you will not get washed. And it's going to prove futile to you. So at the end of this year, I want to be washed. So that there can be nothing that can get between me and my father. I have to have a working relationship with him. I have to have one because I don't want anything to get between me and my provider. Me and my source. Me and my, the, the, the ones. In this hope, I purify myself because I want nothing to separate. I need all of that. And if you notice, the only thing that you really wash are things that are dirty and smelly. That's what we wash. If you look at something and you smell it and it looks good, you be like, oh, it's good. You don't wash that. We wash things that are dirty and smelly. God is saying this morning, there are some things in your life that's dirty and smelly. On the inside. Guess what? Of all of us. Of all of us. So I don't want nobody to feel like, well, they're just talking to me. And they're got... No, no. There's something dirty and smelling on the inside of all of us. And it's going to keep us from a working relationship with God. We just have to wash. And you, we got to wash them. And then listen to this. The dirtier it is, the harder to wash. We know that with clothing. Some things you could just take a, wa- a, a deal and just kind of rinse it out. Other things need scrubbing. Some things need a spot treatment. Some things need the whole thing in. All in. And this is the most important thing. Some things you can wash on your own. And some things you need some professional help. That's when you say... I need to stream. I need help with this. I can't do this alone. You know, like when you say, I can't, I got to take this to the cleaners. I got to take this to the professional. That's when you stream and you come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and you stream and you get in. I need a little more help. I can't do it. It's not coming clean for me. Pastor, you got to help me. Work with this. The label says I can't clean it by myself. I need professional help. Abstinence and washing is not only the proof that you work have a working relationship with God, but sacrifice. Now we can tie that back to the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. Purification always requires a sacrifice. In the Old Testament and the New Purification always requires a sacrifice. Now, we've been taught, and we know that sacrifice means that I'm going to exchange the lesser for the greater. We know that. That means that I'm going to have to let the lesser thing in my life go so that I can get the greater. You have to do that. And the greater thing for you is to be right with God. I let go this lesser thing that I'm holding on. I have to be right with God. 
The greater thing is to live a life that glorifies Him. God, I have to have a life that glorifies You. The greater thing is to live a life with the, that benefits others. God, I must be a blessing. I have to be a blessing. The greater thing is to fulfill the purpose for my life. And so in order for us to have the life that glorifies God and that's pleasing to Him, we just have to live that life. We are, that, you know, we want to live that life that we can be proud of. That I can walk around, I can be proud of my life. One of the things that I realized when I decided to pur- pur- uh, purify myself, it wasn't just to please God, it also pleased me. I'm good. I'm glad about it. I learned the value of having a life that I myself could be proud of. But you can't have a life that you can be proud of without some sacrifice. I'm telling you that now. And really what you sacrifice are the things that you're not proud of. Those are really the things that you sacrifice in order to get something that you can be proud of. You have to sacrifice. You really are sacrificing the things that you are not proud of to get the things that you can be proud of. You want to sacrifice those things that you don't want to be known for in order to gain how you want to be known. I want to be known differently. So I put that thing, that old me, that old way of thinking, that old way of doing things, I put it on the altar. And sometimes it's hard to make that exchange because you have come to know yourself and define yourself by those things. That's who I am. No, it's not who you are. That's not the things you want to be known for. But you have to allow them to be around. That's the thing. We have been that way so long, and, and that the way we've done things and how we thought, and the way it has been around us so long that for there's some reason you can't, you have a fear of letting it go. Because you don't know what your identity will be after you get rid of that. You done lived that way so long. Who will I be if I give up? I'm not giving up a part of myself. No, no. That's the thing that you are not glorifying God, that God said, I need on the altar. You got to be willing to change because God won't. You got to say, oh, no, this is not glorifying God. I'm going to let that old identity go. For who I will be, I'll let it go. But you got to be willing to sacrifice the lesser thing for the greater to come into your life. It's called sacrifice. I give it up. I don't care how long I've been doing it. I don't care how much I enjoy it. It's not glorifying. I give it up. And I hear people, and I've seen people in church that's been in church for years, still talking about things that, that they have held on to for years. Why are you still talking about those things? That they've held on for years. They're, you know, things, and I'm talking about things that they're not proud of. Things that's really holding them back and they keep holding on to them. They can't even do what God has called them to do because they're still holding on. You know, I can't do quite do that because, you know, when I was young, this, I, st- still talking about that. You're born again. 
You've been delivered. You're fine. Some people are still holding on to their attitudes and thoughts and feelings about themselves. Done all kind of wrong things in their younger life and they're still holding on to them. But it's stopping you from being who God wants you to be. Oh, you try to talk about it and you try to act like it, but it's stuck there. you got to put it on the altar and let it go and say, that's not me. So my question is, when are you going to sacrifice that that you keep holding on to? When are you going to just put it on the altar and let it die? See, put it there and let it die. you got to put it there, let it die. That's called exchanging the lesser for the greater. Say, you know, yeah, I've been like this for a long time, but oh no, I'm, this is over. This is over. Let me put it to you another way. Don't be afraid. Please write this down. Don't be afraid of being great if you're not proud of where you are. Don't be afraid of being great if you're not proud of where you are. Nobody, nobody gets criticized for missing greatness, but plenty get criticized for never trying to be great. Nobody's ever criticized, never ever criticized for missing greatness, but they are criticized if they never even try to be great. Nobody gets criticized in making their best effort or to be the best that they can be. But you get criticized when you don't even make an effort. Say, now you're just lazy. You ain't even making an effort. You got to sacrifice those lesser things. You have, to say, you have to see it. And you have to say it. My will is lesser. There's a lesser thing. And I'm going to sacrifice it for his will. I want his will in my life. That's purifying yourself. Question, ask yourself, when has getting what you really worked out, what you want, really, has it ever really worked out for you? Getting what you really want, this is what I want. When getting what you want, does it really work out for you? Oh, no, I'm talking about, no, 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 I'm not talking about the pretense you show in front of people. I'm talking about in your depression and in your mind and in your deal where you, you, just, you just went after things. That's a powerful statement. Just running out. Just looking out for you. Selfish. Doing something selfish. When have it really ever worked out for you? I'm not talking about getting a few things that you want. I mean, really worked out for you. You know, when you really think about that statement, almost every time, think on it, almost everything that you chased the hardest after didn't work out for you. Not the thing you chased the hardest after. You're never going to make God a liar. Thus the scripture Jesus said, unless a man be willing to lose his life, he can't save it. You run around chasing stuff and it never works out. And you still chase it anyway. 
chase money, chase things, chase jobs, chase, I mean, chase everything, chase tail. Never works out. But this is what I want. This is what I want. Well, that didn't work out. What do I want now? You chase something else. Oh, well, that didn't work out. What do I want next? You just keep chasing until you get something. But eventually you'll figure out what you really want. It's what he wants. But you just can't figure it out because that flesh, that body, that stuff, you just keep, you just, after I'm going to get what I want, ain't nobody going to stop me. I'm going to get what I want. Let's reverse that. When have you ever sought what God wanted and it not worked out? Anytime you really seek what God wants, it always works out. Always. When have you ever sought what God wanted for you and it have not worked out? Never. Listen, what God wants for you will always work out. Every time. So just thinking as the year is coming up in a few months to a close, I ask the question, what have you purified within yourself this year? Has there been anything that needed to be abstained, have been abstained? Has there been anything that needed to be washed, been washed? Has there been anything that needed to be sacrificed, have you sacrificed? Ask yourself. You can pass the test. The year is not over yet. You still got time to make it right. Don't go into this next year without anything having been purified. No matter how pure you get, listen, there's always room for purification that can take place. I don't care how good. Well, I'm good in that area. I'm good. Let me tell you, keep going. You're going to find an area you're going to need purified. And, and I, and I grant it, you don't have to go that far. You're not going to have to go that far. I want you to stop trying to figure out what it's going to cost. What is it going to cost you to purify? Don't go cheap. Don't go cheap. Cheap don't last. Things that really means, you know what, you can go to Dollar Tree and buy little things because, you know, and, you know everybody loves the Dollar Tree. Oh, Dollar Tree got it going on. Everybody, Dollar Tree, Dollar Tree. Hey, go get it at Dollar Tree. Got to. That's fine and well when you do so, but when something that's important and something that's going to make a difference in your life, something that's going to change things for you, something that's going to pay an impact in you, don't go cheap. Don't go cheap. You find the most expensive because it's going to last and it's going to be good. It's going to, you know, you get what you pay for. So don't go cheaper. That's fine. Nothing wrong with Dollar Tree. I like Dollar Tree. I know, Sister Johns, I know you love it. But I like Dollar Tree. 
and they have some things, and you know, and my grandchildren, I mean, my grandchildren are still of the age that Dollar Tree still excites them, so they, that works for me. You know, you can take them down the toy aisle in Dollar Tree, and you can come out with five toys for five bucks. So that's good for something like that. But when it's something that that's gonna make a difference in your life, see, you're not gonna go and buy solar panels at Dollar Tree. No, you're gonna, you're gonna, because it's gonna impact your home. You want the best. So don't go cheap. When you're trying to figure, what, what am I, mm, what do I want to put on the altar? What, not, don't go cheap. Put it all. Put it all. Don't go trying to pick through. Number two, proof that you have a working relationship with God. I do not practice sin. I do not practice sin. Now, Elise and Raya, I want you to listen close. Everything that we talk, all of this is going to tie into everything we talked about at that lunch. And I'm pulling you out. Yes, no, Pastor, put me on blast. I'm blasting. Because I'm not trying to impress your friends and nobody that I want your life changed forever. I do not practice sin. Look at verse 4. Whosoever committed sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. That word committed, again, you need to, it can be translated practice, right? Practice there. Verse 5. When you, and ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man, no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God has manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil." Whosoever is born of God does not commit or practice sin. For his seed, whose seed? God's seed remains in him. And he cannot practice sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are seen, are made manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Now, those five scriptures that I just read, listen, let's be honest. This is a challenge for everyone. Those five scriptures are the toughest scriptures that I found in the Bible. They're tough. They're tough. There is no wiggle room in these scriptures. There's no wiggle room in these verses. In these verses, it simply says, you either of God or you of the devil. <laughs> See, that, that's no wiggle room. Right there, those scriptures you can read every day, and God says, know that this is a truth. This is how it's going to be manifested. So don't come telling me about somebody living any kind of way and they went to heaven and they write with God. When God right here says, this is how they're manifest. Those that are righteous, it'll be manifested. 
Those that are of the devil, it'll be manifested. How? Those that are of the devil will practice sin, and those that are of God will not. Simply put. It's just tight. Those scriptures are tight. Actually, that's why this scripture is not preached a lot. Probably why I'm coming at the end of the year to preach it too. Because this is no wiggle room in these five scriptures. It's like, God, you just said who's up God and who's up... No, well, no, no, no. He said this one is of God and this one is of the devil and you ain't going to put nothing. There is no in between. No wiggle, no. Well, I know, I know they doing that, but I know they love God. Not according to these scriptures. No, no, no. Don't have me preach up in here. I'm a teacher, but I can preach. No, 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 no. Well, what about when I was acting a fool? Oh, you was of the devil. I didn't say it. You go back and read it. It's tight. When I have a relationship with God, I know why God sent Jesus. And I know that he sent Jesus to take away my sins. We read that. That's why God sent Jesus, to take away my sins. That little, that, that little part right there, God sent Jesus to take away my sins, that's a forgotten thing. Simply a forgotten thing in the body of Christ. God sent Jesus to take away our sins. Listen, God didn't send Jesus to get you a house, to get you a car, or to get you money. God didn't send Jesus to get you a job. God sent Jesus to take away your sins. Let's not get it twisted. Balance. The Bible said he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. God sent Jesus to take away our sins. See, that goes back to the beginning of our confidence. See, that takes you back to the beginning of your confidence. When you didn't know nothing about name and claim and decreed and declared. When you just loved God and you said, thank you God that you took away my sins. Because God sent Jesus to take away your sins. Why did Jesus come? To have your sins taken away. And do you know there's a lot of people in church who do not know and do not have a working relationship with God. They do not even know why God sent Jesus. They think God sent Jesus to just bless them with stuff. Because that's all they talk to Jesus about. They don't, they don't have that revelation. You better have that going into the new year if you want to work in relationship. God, I go back there. That you took away my sin. God, you sent Jesus to take away my sin. Why did he do that? Because sin separated us from God. Separated us from God. Why? Because he is holy 
He's righteous and no sin can stand in his presence. So he sent Jesus to remove it so we could be reconciled. So you could come close. You could have access now. You don't have to go through the Holy of Holies. Now you can spiritually come straight to the throne. Why? Why? Because Jesus took away my sins. And I purify myself. And I wash myself. And I sacrifice the lesser part of me for the greater of Him. I love that He takes away our sins. We never had access to God until our sins were taken away. That's why it was types and shadows. There was no access. That's why we had examples. That's why we can go back and look at all the examples. That's why the Bible said grace and truth came by Jesus. Access came by Jesus. So everything you see in the Old Testament, types and shadows, was showing you what was to come. But you, we, that was no access. Because Jesus had to come to take away our sins. And he didn't come to take away our sins for us to sin and get ourselves back in that position away from him. He did all of that. Now all we want to do is run around and sin. Given place to be separated again after Jesus has reconciled us back. By taking away our sins. And we would always not only have access to Him and a working relationship with Him. Whenever, whenever, whenever we sin. Whenever, whenever you sin. I don't care that you go by the name believer, Christian. I don't care that you stream all the time. I don't care that you go to church. I don't care that you say you love the Lord. When you sin, you have been disconnected from God. Because that was a choice. You didn't have to. Because Jesus took it away. Now it's a choice. Now I know here at Church of the Living Water, we're not practicing sin. But I'm going to give you the last few things that I wrote down for other people. The Bible says, Whosoever committed sin transgresses also the law. For the, for the sin is a transgression of the law. Three ways that you can sin by transgression of the law. To transgress, simply put, means to break or cross. Transgress means to break or to cross. See, you sin when you cross the law of God. And see, God for us, His his law was simple. The law of God is simple. Simply put, the law of God is love God and love your neighbor. Period. Simply the law of God. But when I do something that's not loving towards God, or not loving toward my brother or my sister, that is sin, and that is transgression. Mm. Now we know if we've been disconnected. But then there's also the law of nature. 
Listen. Because the law of nature was created by God. The law of nature was created by God. There is the law of nature. The law of nature was created by God. When I break the law of nature, that's a sin. Now, every one of us have been in biology class. And all of us learned how it works. Right? So when you do stuff contrary to what you learned in biology class, that is a sin. In the biology class, they showed you all the parts of your body. And they showed you how they fit. If I'm right, somebody say amen. So now when I use any part of my body, other than the way that they showed me how it fit, I have sin. That's against the law of nature that was established by God. That's why even in the biology class, they didn't give you the alternate uses of it. They never gave you that. No telling what they're doing now, but they never gave us that. No alternate uses of the body. Now, even though people want to live an alternate life, that's against the law of nature. That was established by God. Make sure you understand that. And the reason it's called alternate is because it's not the life that the body was created to live. That's why it's called an alternate lifestyle. Because it's, it, it, the, the body wasn't created to have that kind of life. So, so even people who live an alternate life, they even call it an alternate life. They even call it an alternate life. Why? Because they went to biology as well. And they know the way it's supposed to work. And they know they're doing alternative things. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Oh, see, that's just hateful. No, no, that's not hateful. That's called truth. And if you listen to any of our other teachings, you'll know truth hurts. But it does well in the end. It's not a hate speech. It's truth. There's no hate in it at all. I'm trying to make sure you don't break the law of God. And then there's the law of man. Now the law of man was established by God. Listen, the law of man was established by God unless the law of man is in violation of the law of God. If it's not in violation of the law of God, if you break it, you have sinned. For example... If you speed and you get a ticket, you sinned. You just broke the law of God. It, it's, not in, it's not contrary to God's law. So God said, you should do that. Just like he said with taxes. It doesn't break the law. Matter of fact, he said, you should pay taxes. Remember, he told him, go catch a fish and in his mouth is going to be something for me and you. Pay it. Yeah. 
When I have a working relationship with God, letter A, his seed remains in me. Now, that's the main reason why I can't practice sin, is because his seed remains in me. Now, watch this. Things that are born always, always, everybody say always, begins with a seed. Things that are born always began with a seed. And the thing that was born becomes whatever the seed was. So in other words, my children were born from a seed. And that seed came from my husband. And they came in his image and in his likeness. Why? Because they came from him. The man have the seed. So, things that are born come from a seed, and they become like where they came from. So, if God's seed remains in me, I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to practice sin, because I'm going to become what the seed was. You got it? That's why we are called born again. When we become born again, his seed is planted in us. The seed is the word of God. And what it's going to do, because it's planted in you, it's going to cause you to be like where the seed came from. The word and the seed came from the Father. So the Father is not a sinner. So when I become born again, that seed is in me. And if that seed remains in me, now listen, not the second that it gets in me, because every seed needs to grow. Every seed needs time to grow. It has a growth period. That's why the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, over time, things have come new. Because the seed is growing inside of them. So if that seed is in me, and it remains, that's key. If that seed is in me, and it remains, I'm going to become what the seed came from. I'm going to become that. Where did the seed come from? My father. You're going to be like him. Because the seed, but it has to remain in you. That word remain in me. Very important. It has to remain. It has to remain. So if it remains in me, I'm not going to be a sinner. If I'm continuing to be a sinner... Then, after I've received the seed, guess what? It didn't remain. If I'm still practicing sin, after I say I believe, and I'm practicing sin, the seed didn't remain. See, the seed has to get in you and remain there. So that is, now, he wouldn't put that there unless it can come out. 
He said it has to remain in you. Now, the parable of the sower. Turn over there right quick. We okay. Verse 13. 3 through 9. It says, and, and he spake many things unto him. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell upon good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundred some 60-fold, and some 30-fold. So the question is, what have we done with all the seeds? <laughs> what have we done with all the seeds? See, because, see, you may not need another message. You, need, you may need to go back and get the seeds. Did you hear me? See, we always think we need one more message. You may not need another message. You may need to go back and find the seeds. Have you let a whole lot of seeds this year get snatched? Have you let a whole lot of seeds this year during the pandemic get snatched? You may need to spend these last few months of the year gardening. Gardening. Getting some seeds that have been laying by the wayside. Go back and get it and say they've been laying by the wayside. And put them in good ground. Can't just go and look at them. You've got to go get them. They've been laying by the wayside. You've got to go get them and put it in good ground. Thorns and thistles. Got to get it out of your life. Three and a half months to know thorns and thistles. Get them out of your life. Get it out of your heart. See, again, it may, it may not be a matter of, some, uh, of more seeds. It may just be a matter that you need to start gardening this last three months. This last year, I need to start gardening and going and get seed that, that fell all these different ways. How much of it is remaining? Ask yourself. Now, when you ask yourself how much is remaining, I'm not talking about how much is remaining on a pad of notes. I'm not talking about the CD or the streaming that you're looking at. I'm not talking about how much you go back and look at the stream. But I'm talking about how much is it remaining in you. In you. Last but not least, I have a working relationship with God. And I have access to Him. I cannot practice sin I cannot practice sin. Listen, we are human. All of us are human. 
But there he is, no excuse. Listen, and God is so good. God is so good because write it down. I have a working relationship. I cannot, I cannot practice sin. Listen, we are human. So by default, God put in the Bible in First John two: If any man sin, he has an advocate with the Father. Now that's a big difference, a huge difference, with it uh, than inadvertently sinning and practicing sin. Did you hear me? See, because people think that goes with no, no, no. There's a big difference. He said that if any man, any man, sin, he has an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. If you, It wouldn't change the scriptures if it says, if anyone inadvertently sin, not practicing sin, inadvertently sin, they have an advocate with the Father. But listen, and listen to me. This is what I really want you to hear, Raya, and I want you to hear Elise. Perfect. I want you to take notes on this wherever you are and get this. Practice takes planning. You start planning out stuff, practice takes planning. When I make a conscious effort to sin... When I make a comfort, con, uh, uh, just a, a conscious effort and decision to sin, I put everything in place necessary to commit that sin. I go to the place where I shouldn't be. I do all of those things. I make sure that it's in place so that I can commit that sin. That's called practicing sin. When you plan it out, you are practicing sin. And when you do that, you are not connected to the Father. I don't care how much you come to church. I don't care who your parents are. You're not grandfathered in. You grown young ladies and everybody else out there that I'm talking to. See, I love when young people listen. Now, doing it is a different thing, but I have your ear and I want to put something in it. And I want you to be smart enough to receive it. Many people that I have tried to give godly counsel to, they pissed on it. You had better not. You had better not. You better listen to what I'm saying. If you're planning it out, if you're setting a day for it, if you're figuring a way out to do it, that's called planning and that's called practicing sin. And while you're doing that, just know you have just disconnected from God. Now listen, everybody may have a moment where they lose their temper. They just lose their temper for whatever you or, or lose their cool. But it takes plan to get into sin. When you make plans of what's gonna happen next weekend and this Sunday of the week. You're in a practice state. And I'm not talking, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you, when you sin, when you, you're trying to get into a little of something. Okay, well, let's plan it out. 
Well, next week, we can, we can meet here. Which we do. That's called practicing sin. And no other surety, when you do that, you are disconnected from God. You're disconnected from your Father. Listen, I've scheduled it. Once things hit your schedule, you're now in practicing. I got this, I got this, I got that. Once you put it on your schedule, it's a practice. Once I start making provisions, I am in the practice. And when I'm in the practice, I don't have access to the Father. I'm trying to make you have a good life, not a regretful life. I'm trying to make it where you don't have to do anything premature, that you won't have to do anything by something you see someone else do or something that excites your flesh because that's only but for a moment. When I'm in practice of sin, there's something wrong in my heart. Know that. When you're practicing sin, there's something wrong in my heart. Because if God's Word remains in you, you can't practice sin. Listen. Your eyes may stray, but you don't end up in a stray bed. That's a practice. Uh Uh-oh. You better hear that. And even you married men. Some, and some of you, you, you know, you don't forget, forgot where you came from when you was in this ministry. Let me tell you, the devil got you stretched out long enough, just long enough for you to forget to get you your life right back in it. I'm telling you. I'm trying to give you, make sure you have the good life. Married men, your eyes can stray, but you should never end up in a stray bed. And let me tell you, and and let me tell you, if you have a working relation with God, you keep your eye from straying. You don't let your eyes stray. You pull them up when they should, when they try to go down. You have, let me tell you, you got to resist. And if you find yourself fantasizing in your head or, or wanting to do something or you wanting to commit adultery or you wanting to do anything like that, let me tell you, it has nothing to do with your spouse. Mm, I'm just not attracted to him anymore. Oh, well, now, well, this and uh, no. That has nothing to do with your spouse and what they do, how they change, if they haven't changed, or now they've got old because new don't last new long. Let me tell you, it's the quality of your heart. Let me, let, let, let me show you why it's the quality of your heart. Because if, even if, let's just say, I'm just hypothetically, if a, if a husband go out and commit adultery and say it was my wife's fault because she wasn't taking care of herself and she wasn't doing that, let me tell you, and that's how I ended up in the bed, let me tell you, I'm going to show you why it's a heart issue. If it wasn't a heart issue, you just stay celibate. Just say, well, I'm just doing, you know, we have a little issue, but I'm staying celibate. Why are you in somebody's bed? Because it's a heart issue. 
It has nothing to do with them. That blame game, that started way back in the garden. That's old. That's old school stuff, the blame game. This is how you know when you have a working relationship with God and you have access to Him. You have access to Him. You're strong. You're mighty. You got your, you, you young people, you got your whole life ahead of you. Don't go running out doing something crazy. Just be, stay focused. Stay focused. And as long as you're in this ministry, I'm going to keep you focused. No, as long as I have your ear. Because I've learned over the years, uh, over the years, when a person don't want you to have your ears, you know, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time with that anymore. I've learned. That's just a waste. But as long as you show me that you want, you're going to listen to my counsel, I'll always be with you. And I'll always have counsel for you. And I'll always get you through anything. That's why I don't very often give people my number, but I give you all my number because anything come up. I don't care. Because some things you come, come up, you just, you're just too ashamed to even talk to your parents about. But I'm here. And your parents trust me. You don't have no excuse to get caught up. But I know you have flesh and I know you're young. I, I've been your age. You haven't been mine. I know your struggles. But I'm here to get you through. And if I tell you you can call me any time of the morning, you can. Now, you probably couldn't have done that when my husband was alive, but I'm by myself. And I can answer the phone any time. And if I see your picture come up, I'm straight up out the bed and I'm sitting up and I'm ready to go to work. So you have no excuse. You have no excuse but to have the best life. Because why? I'm following the instructions. Let me, you showed me that you're willing to hear. Now notice I didn't say anything about you were willing to obey. I said you were willing to hear. Obedience is your part. But I'm going to give you everything that you need. You'll never ever be able to say. And, and, and not just me, your parents too. Your parents got it going on. They're going to give you that. But just things that, that, that you just need to talk to me about. And that's any young people. I'm talking to them because we had a little special session, but that's, that's anybody. But as long as you show me that you're willing to hear, that's all I need is you to hear. Because, see, I'm going to do my part. God's going to do his part. I, my part is to give it to you. God's part, God will give the increase. That's why if I, I, I'm not worrying about you obeying. I'm worrying about you hearing because everything else God will do. But if you ignore it and do your own thing, and say, no, I want to. I have to. I want to practice. I'm planning it out. And yeah, I thought about it calling, but now I'm not going to. Let me tell you, there's consequences for your choices. They don't have to be. You got your whole life ahead of you. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.